In today's episode of Sports Talk from the Crib, we're recapping NFL Week 8. We have some good divisional rival games happening. Also, Tua making his first NFL start. And is that Patriots dynasty finally over? All that and more coming up on Sports Talk from the Crib. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. Hope everyone enjoyed their Halloween weekend. We got we had an extra hour there of fun time there Saturday night. We're setting the clocks back for daylight time savings. I don't like setting the clocks back because it's going to screw me up getting real dark here extremely early. But hey, I hope everyone enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed myself. It's been a great weekend. And speaking of great weekends, we have some exciting games there Sunday. We have some exciting games. We're going to go through the scores real quick. Then we're going to touch on a little more in-depth about some of the games that happened. First, Pats, Bills. Pats lose 21-24. Bills improve the 6-2. Cam Newton had a costly turnover there with about 30 sec- 37 seconds left in the game. Turned the ball over. Cost them the game. They were driving there. Got inside of the red zone. But an unfortunate turnover causes them to lose. And Bills win 24-21. Titans lose on the road to the Bengals, 31-20. Joe Burrow led the way, going 26 of 37, 249, and two touchdowns. The Raiders go to Cleveland in a wild weather game where there was wind gusts of over 50 miles an hour. They win 16-6. And Josh Jacobs, of course, on the ground. The wind's blowing like that, 128 yards. So they had a ground and pound attack in their big victory over Cleveland. Colts win 41-21. Over the Lions, Phillip Rivers, 262 yards, three touchdowns, and two of them went to Naheem Hines. And the Vikings go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers and the crew by a final of 28-22. Dalvin Cook was just running all over him. He had 30 carries, 163 yards, three touchdowns, two catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. He is the first player in NFL history to score a touchdown on the First four possessions held there by the team during the game. Aaron Rodgers had 291, three touchdowns. Made a late push there late, but it was just not enough as they lose 28-22. Now those New York Jets, they went to Kansas City. You know it was going to be bad from the beginning. They lose 9-35. to Pat Mahomes, he just threw it over the yard. 416 yards, five touchdowns. And their big win over the Jets. The Rams went into Miami and Tua's first NFL start. Dolphins come out on top, 28-17. That defense, talk about everybody's defense. Thought Aaron Donald and the crew was that, but it was actually the Miami's defense that made Goff a living nightmare. Tua only had 93 yards on the day and a touchdown, but they still get the victory, 28-17. We're going to touch base on that game a little bit later. Steelers stay undefeated with a big 28-24 win over the Baltimore Ravens, this L.A. Chargers lose another nail-biter, 30-31 against the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke threw the game-winning touchdown as time expired, leading the comeback of 21 points down there in the second half. So they come out on top with a big victory. And the uh, 
New Orleans Saints going to Chicago 26-23. The Niners, they lose against the Seahawks by a final 37-27. Russell Wilson continues his MVP dominance, throwing four touchdowns. Two of them went to DK Metcalf. He had 161 yards receiving on the day. He is looking absolutely unstoppable. And, of course, you know, we had that Sunday night football game that no one really cared about. It was the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. But the Eagles did come out with the victory, 23-9, in a game you don't even want to know any of the stats. You don't want to know what the heck happened. It was that bad. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk about that New England Patriots game and the Buffalo Bills and Cam Newton. And what is going on in New England? Is the dynasty finally good crumbling? In front of our eyes, is it officially over? It's so hard to say that against a New England Patriot-led team, but it sure as heck looks like it. They are now, they've now fallen to two and five. The Bills improved to six and two. They are on top of the division, in which the New England Patriots have won seventeen out of the nineteen years. They have finished at the top of their division. So the division is up for grabs as somebody else for the taking. Can it be Buffalo? Can it be Miami? Can New England break out a miracle and get out of this funk that they're in? I don't think so. Cam Newton on the day of 15 of 25, 174 yards. Damian Harris for the running back there ran the ball pretty damn well. He had 16 carries, 102 yards, a touchdown. Cam had a 54 yards himself on the ground for and a touchdown. And Josh Allen for the Bills after that great few games to start the year. Everybody had him up there. I was like, wow, this guy is putting on like an MVP type of performance. But he's falling off the map. He's not up there with Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and all those guys. Let's be honest here. He's falling back to earth. He went 11 of 18, 154 yards in a pick. Uh, but the story of the game, Cam Newton fumbled the ball in the final Drive there by the Patriots. The two-minute drive, they were driving. It looked like old times, somehow, way, despite being a little ugly out there in terms of offense and defense, they still had a shot to win the game there at the end. And it came off of a little QB sweep to the left side of the line like they've been running the whole game. Cam Newton already had a touchdown on it you know, earlier. And they ran the same play on the drive. And this time... Cam Newton fumbled the ball around the 15-yard line, costing the Patriots a game, possibly costing them the season, and possibly causing them the end of a historic run of a Bill Belichick-led team and the New England Patriots. It looks like the time is finally over. So they've lost four straight. It's the first time that's happened since Belichick's first year. In 2000, it's been 20 years. Since they lost four straight games, they haven't. The problem is, yes, they they don't have the talent like they used to have. Tom Brady leaving, he knew what was up. He had the contract redone so he could leave this year. And what a great call that was. He saw it. He's like, this time, I'm going to be ahead of Bill Belichick and getting out while I can. And before everything starts crumbling down. And that is what's happened there in New England. And it has to fall on Bill Belichick. We always tell him this. He's this great genius, defensive mind. He knows everything. 
But the problem is, you got Tom Brady, you can argue is the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL, covering up all the other little mistakes and not being like, I don't want to say talentless players, but covering up everybody else's flaws in a way. So Tom Brady is not there. It's Cam Newton, who hasn't been the same in about five years since that MVP running he had there in Carolina. So what's going on in New England? And it really does have to fall on Bill Belichick. Because if you look at it, from a drafting standpoint, they have not hit in the draft in years. They have not hit on anybody, as most notably as last year. They picked wide receiver Nikhil, Nikhil Harry. And guess who went after him? That was with the 32nd overall pick. Guess who went after him? Yeah, wide receivers Debo Samuel. You had wide receiver DK Metcalf. You got the wide receiver AJ Brown. And they traded last year their second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. And look how that turned out. What a bust that was. Well, that's another horrible trade. Atlanta, I guess, got the best deal out of that. One thing Elena, I guess, has done right. And <laughs> they're mediocre selves. But even that is notable there. Three great wide receivers who are really tearing up the NFL. AJ Brown's been great there in Tennessee. DK Metcalf is this he isn't human out there in Seattle. DBO Samuels played well for San Francisco. You look at this team. Like they aren't hitting and on any draft picks they do. And nobody's, they're just not very talented anymore. Because Tom Brady did a lot. Let's give him a lot of credit. And now he's down in Tampa, balling out. He just added Antonio Brown to his team down there. That's what they tried to do last year in New England. This is to give him somebody. Now he's got all these toys down there like it's Christmas Eve. And he's opened them all up. And he's balling out. He's going to be entering the MVP conversation himself. Away from New England, in Tampa, a different conference, different team, different everything. And he's beating you, Belichick. That was a big story. Who's going to come out on top? Tom Brady or Bill Belichick this year? Is Bill Belichick the genius we all thought he was? Is Tom Brady still an MVP caliber player? Answer for that is Tom Brady definitely is. And Bill Belichick, so sorry, man. But your run is over as a dynasty. There in New England. All right, now let's go down, down there to Miami, South Beach, the AFC East. We're talking about New England, but how about those Miami Dolphins? Tua Tagovailoa made his first NFL career start yesterday against the LA Rams. He came out with a victory, 28-17. But if you literally look at the game, it's like Miami's offense did absolutely Nothing. Everybody was so concerned about Aaron Donald and that defensive front for the Rams and that whole defensive side of the ball all together. Going up against Tua in his first NFL start, everything was, buddy, everything and everybody was just like, oh, no, can they at least wait? Wait another week so they don't have to face that front so he doesn't get killed out there. And what happened on the very first pass attempt of Tua? He got strip sacked by Aaron Donald and Brockers, and everybody just beat him down, and he fumbled the ball, turnover there. Rams got it, ended up scoring really, really quick. Um, and it was as deep in their own territory. 
And it was just like, oh, no. Please don't let this happen to this kid. He is going to go out there in the offensive line from Miami. Is just not going to be able to stop Aaron Donald and the crew. And it's going to be ugly. But little did we know, it was actually the Miami Dolphins defense that outplayed the L.A. Rams defense. And they were flying all over the field. It was this Miami Dolphins defense is for real. Brian Flores and that whole staff, they brought in a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Agba over from Kansas City. Uh, Byron Jones, the corner from Dallas. Like they brought in Shaq Lawson from Buffalo. Like they brought in Vinoy from New England. And like they brought these guys in because they want to get pressure on the quarterback, get depth on the defensive side of the ball, be able to cover one on one on the outside when they need to. And that's what they're doing. They got after Jared Goff. They only count for two sacks, but he was getting hit in the mouth just about every other play. They forced two interceptions. They forced two fumbles on him. So he had four turnovers on a day. This by Jared Goff. And that defense in Miami's front was just pounding him to the ground. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. They had a big punt return for a touchdown there by Jakeem Grant. So Miami helped out Tua. They bailed him out. Basically in his first, this is his first action in over a year now. You gotta, people gotta understand that. Was it a very impressive start? Absolutely not. The offense was pretty atrocious. I mean, you are outgained. Look at this outgained on the game. The Rams have 471 total yards, Dolphins 145. And they still won. Like, that's how impressive the Miami Dolphins defense was. That's how impressive they're. Special teams was. And Tua this only going 12 of 22 for 93 yards. He did get his touchdown pass there to Devontae Parker. So he got his first career touchdown pass. But I'm not going to overreact after seeing his first start in the NFL. Justin Herbert in there for the LA Chargers playing very well despite losing. We got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati playing very well despite losing. They're their teams really aren't the best. And Miami Dolphins team is right there. They're in the AFC East. They're trying to battle with the Buffalo Bills now for that first spot. They improved the four and three. They've won three uh, won three in a row, four of the last five games. They got Arizona next, which, which would be a very big matchup. They were with Kyler Murray. And they got the Chargers after that. It'd be a big matchup with Tua. Versus Justin Herbert. Who was the better quarterback from the draft? It's going to be a lot of build-up for that game. Got a lot of build-up in the next couple games here for Tua. So I'm not going to be like... It was a very impressive debut because it absolutely wasn't. I'm not going to write him off either. Because this is first real action in football since that horrific hip injury he had there in Alabama. So we got to see what he does. It seemed like they were trying to keep the gameplay real simple out there, have them on a few rollouts, hand the ball off, have a little bit of zone reads, you know, RPOs for him, little things that he was comfortable with. He made a few nice throws, but also some very inaccurate throws. He looks like he was, you know, afraid of the pressure there a little bit, got a little happy-footed. But, I mean, that's understandable when you got the big 
big guy Aaron Donald coming at you every play. So that's a little bit understandable. But the thing I liked about him, he did not turn the ball over aside from that very first play he had there. After that, it seemed like this getting a little bit some kind of a rhythm, I guess. But I'm not going to write him off. I don't. We're not going to know how he's going to be because in the last about two, three more games, we could probably make a little bit more of a judgment call on him. But for somebody coming off a year-long injury, getting his first action in the NFL, in the pros now, this isn't college. He's not going to be able to escape him through the things he used to be doing. He's going to get a little bit wild and adjust to the speed of the game and see where he's going to go with it. But I, I got a little bit of faith in him. I was very on the fence about the two a pick and Justin Herbert. I was like, I don't know what's one of a pick. I may go with Justin Herbert just because I'm scared of the injury. And that's what was my thinking, you know, ahead of the draft this year. And I would have gone with Justin Herbert. But the upside with Tua is there. We're going to find out in the next few games how he does against Arizona and, of course, L.A. Chargers and how he, you know, processes all the information and how he comes about everything. It's just, it's going to take time. He's a rookie. They're in the hunt. A lot of people may say, hey, we wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the quarterback because this is a playoff caliber team. And we haven't said that Miami in a very, very long time. We haven't said that because the defense is playing well. Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well. But we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to give you those couple awesome games and he's going to give you a couple of duds and it's so inconsistent you don't really know if you're going to get that 340 yard plus you know Ryan Fitzpatrick with three touchdowns or you're going to get the 150 yard Ryan Fitzpatrick with like a touchdown and a couple picks you don't know and I think putting him to a now in in the middle of the season where we can see his growth and see how he does so when December comes around, you can be flying. That is the vision there in Miami. That's the vision of Brian Flores. Get him in now. It's better to get him in there now. You know, sooner rather than later. Because now there's this crazy report coming out of Miami saying they did it because they want to evaluate him. Because they do own the Houston Texans' number one pick. Which can very well be a top five pick for Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And I don't really like that report coming out like that because I don't believe that's Miami's vision. They were going to use that pick probably on someone else. But are they evaluating Tua? Absolutely. We all are. We all going to evaluate him game by game, see how he does, see if he's going to be playing better than Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. There's always going to be that comparison going around for him, especially with him and Herbert. But, I mean, we'll let's still wait and see. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer tomorrow. But for the Dolphins to succeed in their future of this team, they have to put the kid out there and let him grow and let him grow. You're only two games back there in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. They're mediocre too. They're up and down. They escaped New England game. Barely. If it wasn't for that Cam Newton's fumble, we may not be talking about all that. We may be talking about the dynasty in New England being over, but it happened. And now Miami's got to get that up. They have a very great possibility 
of coming out of the AFC East. I wish this kid all the luck. This is my team. It's my, it's my quarterback. <laughs> it's my quarterback, man. He's a football player, man. He's coming off that horrific injury. He's just trying to get out there. He's great heart, man. He's got a great heart. We'll see how it all comes out. But that's just my take on Tua. We'll see what happens in the next couple games and evaluate him like that more. Okay, now jumping over to another big AFC rival game, the Steelers and Ravens. Steelers came out on top 28-24. Big Ben only had 182 yards passing, two touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, 208 yards passing, two touchdowns, two picks, two fumbles lost. J.K. Dobbins was doing very well running the ball, 15 carries, 113 yards. You may look at this game. If you look at the stat lines, you're like, how did the Baltimore Ravens lose this game? It's a big time game. The Steelers were undefeated. Baltimore, you know, going into Baltimore, big physical game. Baltimore was actually more physical than the Pittsburgh Steelers this game. Ravens had 265 yards on the ground to the Steelers 48. But the big thing was Lamar Jackson had four turnovers, which was two fumbles, two picks, including a pick six. That really set him back there. It was a couple of them in his own territory. They were doing a lot of zone coverage there. And it was just confusing Lamar Jackson. He was just, they were debating him. They were just baiting him to make some of those throws, daring him to throw the ball, and it worked. He was 13 of 28. It worked. But they couldn't stop the rushing attack of Baltimore. Baltimore rush attack was there again, just like it was last year. That's what they're known for. With this offense, and they were just pounding and pounding the ball against Pittsburgh. But big fourth down and three there in the red zone there in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson did a QB draw. Steelers stopped him. Next time, now, Steelers get the ball. Big third down. The Ravens defense stopped them. So Lamar Jackson gets another shot despite that happening. They get down there. About the 25-30 yard line. And then he throws the ball into the uh, end zone. Nice time expired there to Willie Sneed. A great play by Mika Fitzpatrick. He came over, knocked the ball out. And that was the end of the game. But the story is, like, Lamar Jackson, the former MVP. You know, he was MVP of the league last year. I mean, he had a great year. He's he's I like the kid. He is all about, he's doing the right things, but he will never be that passing quarterback that sits in the pocket and just can throw the ball anywhere around the field. He's, this, that's just not his game. What, he, what they need to do, Baltimore's getting away from it a lot this year because they want him to start doing that, be able to sit in the pocket, deliver the ball down the field, go through his progressions. But the thing is with him, that first read is not there. I'll just tell him, yo, hey, take off. Just, just run. Don't be afraid to run the ball. If your first read is not there, take off and go. Because that's his game. He's so quick and fast. And to take that element out of his game is not the right way to do it. And that's what Baltimore is trying to do. Like, he's not going to. You got Hollywood Brown out there, Willie Sneed. You don't have, like, you got a lot of. Well, Hollywood Brown's a very, very fast receiver, but this seems like he doesn't run those routes, you, you know, going across the middle of the field and, you know, all those plays. But 
he's not that number one guy. You can count on him to constantly beat the coverage and constantly win like the one-on-one battles. So you don't have that out there. Keep rocking the run game. Chew up the clock. Play great defense. And tell Lamar Jackson to you know, do a lot of play-action plays, some rollouts. And that first read's not there. Hey, man, take off and go. Because that's how that's just how you have to do it. He's played pretty poorly in, you know, against meaningful games. We saw his two playoff games, you know, last year and the year before. They weren't very great performances. He struggled a lot. The same, you know, kind of thing. Struggle throwing the ball. The turnovers are plaguing him. And these big time games. This is a big time game to come back. Beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, even up you do fall, you know, now you lost two games on the year, but you still you're still within arms. Pittsburgh Steelers, their schedule's a very favorable coming up too. I can see them possibly going ten and zero for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you had your chance here to get a big division game and you came up short. And that's what Lamar Jackson has done so far in his career. He's come up short in big time games. And the pressure is on. It's give the ball. Say, hey, man, make that throw. And he hasn't been able to make that throw yet. Will he do it? I mean, I hate to kind of nag on him a little bit here. But, hey, you're only two games out so far. You're going to face him again. Okay, You're 5-2. and two, Steelers are 7-0. and oh. But, like I said, Pittsburgh Steelers got to kind of a cake schedule a little bit. Maybe a little hard to catch up. But anything can happen come playoff time. If you come to face him at, in the playoffs anyway, you need to be able to throw the ball consistently and be able to read these coverages and this going through your progressions. But take off, man. Run like every run like Forrest Gump, man. Just keep going. If it's not there, take off like him and just run, run home. You could be like that kid and saying that when you told him to go home. And it's ran home. That's what you need to do the ball. If you want to win the games at home and you want to you want to go home with a victory on the road, tell Lamar Jackson, take that ball and run home. <laughs> Just keep going. Because that's the only way Baltimore is going to be able to win, you know, when the games get tight. It's the only way. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. Remember to check out the official website there at feeltheheatentertainment.com. That's feeltheheatent.com for your latest updates, your podcast episodes, where you'll be able to stream right there on the website. Also, all the articles you'll be able to like, comment, and share with. And be sure to check out the official Instagram there at feeltheheatent as well. Monday, Wednesday, Friday on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, of course, there on the website. Wherever you like it, it is there, available everywhere. Thanks again, you guys. Catch y'all Wednesday. Peace out.